Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Staying in the Grace Zone, and it is part of the Grace Zone Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can visit us at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. I'm excited to get into the Word of God with you. I believe God's put something on my heart to share with you. I believe something that's going to help you. Um, I'm going to call this message, and for the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about the Grace Zone in this at-home series. Um, There's a few words that we use in church uh, spiritual words that I really, I really love and words that create a lot of energy. Uh, when we say the name of Jesus, there's just something about that word that just creates energy. When we, when we say the word love, that's a word that brings a special feeling to the atmosphere, doesn't it? Well, this word also, the word grace, when you talk about the word grace, you can feel the molecules in the room change. The greatest song ever written, the most famous song ever written, is about grace. And you all know it. It's amazing grace. See, we know in our hearts that God gave us a perfect world. God handed a perfect world for us, to us, for us to manage and for us to take dominion over. And we all know that we blew it and we brought Satan in. We brought the serpent. We listened to the serpent and we aligned with him And we rejected the wisdom of God. And we put God on the outside of the management of our world. And we've made a pretty big mess of it. David Gelertner, who is a famous uh, computer scientist from Yale University, not a believer, by the way, had this to say. He said, when I look at the world at large, I see a mess. When I see the mind of man, I see a worse mess. I see a creature more likely to do bad than good. Into this mess steps the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what his tool is? He could have stepped in with force. He could have stepped in with power. He could have brought the angels of heaven. But he didn't bring the tanks and the guns and the armaments. But he brought this. He brought something more powerful than tanks and guns and armaments. He brought grace. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 17, said for the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Uh, Grace, what is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is is God's undeserved mercy to our lives. Grace is God's all-sufficiency. When, when Paul was facing a, a huge trial in his life, and he was facing an unchangeable circumstance. And I want you to, in your mind right now, write that phrase down, unchangeable circumstance. When Paul was facing unchangeable circumstances, what he heard from God was, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. So grace is the all-sufficiency of God. For whatever you're going through or whatever you're about to go through, 
It is the release of God's power. It is what will propel you into your future. And, and, and we're going to talk in the days to come and weeks to come. We're going to talk about your grace, that God has a special zone of grace for you to walk in. And we're going to show you how Paul and others talk about this special place of grace, this special place where there's a release of personal grace that's tailored just for you. For you to live the life that God intended for you to live and have the place of, of victory and power that God intended for you to have. The grace zone is this. The grace zone is your space of maximum energy, confidence, competence, peace, and provision. See, here's what I want you to, to say to yourself. I want, here's what I want you to say to yourself. I want you to say the conviction of my heart is that I will live in the grace zone. My vision and my conviction for my life is I will not live outside of the grace zone that God has for me. We know grace is available for everybody. We know God has given grace to the world. There's a common grace that God has given to the entire world. And every human being on this planet is receiving grace today. But I'm not just talking about common grace. I'm talking about abundant grace. God has promised in the word a, something called abundant grace. We are dependent. Here at Bethany Community Church, we are dependent on abundant grace. We need more than common grace. That means God loves and cares for every single person on earth. But God has promised us and he's given us a path to having abundant grace, more than enough grace. He said, I come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. Well, all the life of God is, is based on grace. It's it's not grace that we earn, and it's not about earnings. And some people, when you talk about living in the grace zone, they're probably going to think, well, it sounds like you're talking about earning God's grace or earning God's favor. No, it's not a matter of earning. It's a matter of alignment. I said it's not a matter of earning. It's a matter of alignment. It's a matter of, of aligning my life, aligning my thinking, aligning my practices so that I am able to access God's abundant power and grace in my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 is a really dynamic verse. It says, Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. Now, think of the wording there. God is ready to overwhelm you. It means that you need to get in line with that place of overwhelming grace. God is ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment, in every way, he will make you flow, overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. I like the King James Bible there. The last line says, for every good work. You see, I believe God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. God has a path and God has a, a, a set of accomplishments that he plans for me to accomplish in my life. The Bible says he's prepared us for good works. Good works that were prepared before the world was created. God has planned good works for me. And I need to get in the grace zone so I can do what God planned for me to do. And so I can have the fulfillment of being what God intended for me to be and doing what God intended for me to do. I want you to know there's nothing more 
exciting, and there's nothing more incredible than knowing that you're doing with your life what God intended for you to do, not what he intended for somebody else, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, because that's the problem with some of us, is we do not, we do not properly align ourselves with what we're intended to do, with the grace that God has given us to be who we're intended to be. You will be fulfilled, we believe, and according to this scripture, that abundant grace is available for every arena of your life. I want you to get that. That available grace, abundant grace rather, is available for every arena of your life. It's available for your mind and your emotions. The Bible says, may the Lord be gracious to you and may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. It's available. The grace of God's available for your money and your material world. Job chapter 1 verse 9, Satan replied to the Lord, Job has good reason to fear you when the, when, when the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? The, Job uh, Satan said, the Lord, said, Lord, Job has reason to, to fear God because you have made him to prosper in everything he does. Your money, your material things, your material world is subject to the grace of God. Your household and your key relationships are an arena where God wants to pour out his grace. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. You'll be surprised how your life will change and your relationships will change when, your basis, when the basis for how you treat your family and your key relationships is not everything they're doing to you, but based on what God is doing for you. When you get a sense of how much he loves you and when you get a sense of his powerful grace, it will change the way you love everybody. Also, subject to, subjected to his grace and within the arena of his grace is your work, your, 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 your vocation, and your assignment, your purpose, and your assignment in your life. Psalms chapter 90 verse 17 says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands. Also, also the arena of, of grace is your, your behavior and, and your, the urges that fill your, your body and your life. They're subjected to the grace of God. Titus chapter 2 verse 12 says, Grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles and it equips us to live self-control, upright, godly lives in this present age. That is so incredible because none of us want to live in a way that's self-destructive. We don't want to live in a way that's destructive to our family, to our neighbors, to our community. But we know that we have a hard time resisting those urges to be self-absorbed and self-indulgent. Well, God says, I've got grace for you. I've got grace that will cause something to rise up within you, a, a motivation. You know, let me, this is so important. Grace is leaving the world of carrots and sticks. That's what the Old Testament was. Remember what the scripture we read in John chapter 1 a while ago? That the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Well, the law was about carrots and sticks. Here's the reward if you'll be a good, good person. Here's how the beating you're going to get if you're a bad person. The law was ex external punishment and cursing for breaking the law. Well, you know, when Jesus came and grace came, it's no longer about that. But it's about intrinsic motivation. 
It's about the Spirit of Christ moving inside of you and, 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 and empowering you and giving you the desire to obey the Lord and to do what is best for your life and do what is healthy and best for your family and best for your community. Also, most importantly, the grace of God and the arena of the grace of God is your eternal destiny. Your, your everlasting soul and your eternal destiny. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That verse doesn't mention the word grace, but it is bloated with grace. That God so loved the world that he gave. That's a gift. Grace is a gift. We're saved by faith, the Bible says, and not by works. We're saved by grace and not by works, rather, I should have said. We're saved by grace, not works. So it's a gift from God that God gave us this intrinsic motivation to obey the Lord and make life better all around you. Now, how can we stay in the grace zone? How can you make sure, and what are, what are the... What are the biblical mandates for staying in the place where you have maximum grace? And I'm telling you, this, this grace is an energy that you will feel in your heart. And some of you that are, that are watching today and setting in on this sermon today, uh, you have problems in your life. And you have, you have problems with, with uh, compulsive behaviors. And you're, you really want to stop. Because they're hurting you, and you know they're hurting you, and you know they're reducing your potential. You know what sin is. Sin is the, um, sin is the f- force that causes us to make decisions that decrease our divine potential. And righteousness is a force that causes us to make decisions that increase our divine potential. And so you don't understand why you do what you do, why you want to do things that you should not, and things that are inconvenient for you. But... What, you, what we don't understand sometimes, and what some of you do not realize, is it's not about how you're directly related to that problem, whether it's, uh, whether it's pornography or anger management or whatever it is. You keep fighting that thing, but there's other ways that you come to God that will cause, that you come under his authority in ways that are beautiful, by the way. And not oppressive. There's other ways that you come under his authority that will release the grace that will help you over in that area that you weren't even thinking about. And that's what I want to talk to you, finish this message today, talking to you about those ways that you can stay in the grace zone. You can't, well, let me read James chapter 4 verse 6 before I move on. Because this is a key verse for these messages on the grace zone. James chapter 4, if you don't believe there's a grace zone, then uh, you haven't looked at James chapter 4 verse 6. James 4, chapter 4 verse 6 says, he gives us more grace. That is why the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't know how you could get more clear that there's a grace zone, and there's a place where God releases abundant grace. He says, if you will be humble and not proud... In other words, if you'll be dependent upon God, if you'll be obedient to God, if you'll say, God, I'm going to trust you instead of my own instincts, God says, I will release grace, that all-sufficient power that everything that was accomplished in the New Testament 
was a result of grace. So let, let's, let's, let's define some of the things you can and can't do and be in the place of abundant grace. First of all, you can't nurse resentment, unforgiveness, and jealousy toward other people and stay in the grace zone. We just finished a couple of sermons on lament. So you know I'm not saying you cannot go to God and tell God that, you're, that, that, that you think you're being treated unfairly. And you can call out the evil in other people. But that doesn't mean you do not, that doesn't mean you start walking in resentment toward them. That doesn't mean you start walking in unforgiveness toward them. That doesn't mean that you don't love them. No, just the opposite is true. Identifying someone's behavior toward you has nothing to do with whether you love them or you don't love them. You can't nurse resentment and unforgiveness and jealousy toward others and stay in the grace zone. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See that no one misses the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That word many there, defiling many, or that phrase defiling many is so important. I see some entire families that are just crippled and, and, and they've gotten out of the grace zone. Entire families have gotten into the grace zone. That, that pouring out of God's all-sufficient power on their lives and blessing on their lives. Brian Houston calls the grace zone a world of blessings. That they, The whole, entire families have getting, gotten out. Entire churches have gotten out of the grace zone. Entire communities have gotten out of the grace zone. And the results are tragic. And they can't figure out why it feels like their life is under a curse. Let me tell you, if you want to get the curse off of your family, if you want to get the curse off of your church, you want to get the curse out of your community, get rid of resentment. Get rid of jealousy. Get rid of unforgiveness. Your goal, and I know this isn't easy, and this won't happen automatically, your goal is to love like you've never been hurt. I said your goal in life is to love like you've never been hurt. And if you're not able to do that today, I understand that. I'm not, I'm not minimizing the hurt and damage that people can cause you. But that should be your prayer focus. That should be what, you, what you're wrestling with God about right now. As God, I want to get to the place that people will not recognize I've been hurt. You, you ever been around somebody? And you can tell that other people have hurt them. You can tell that other people have wounded them and other people have, dam have damaged them. You can tell by the way they carried themselves. You can tell by their facial expressions. You can tell by their words. And if you're around them very long, you're going to hear the stories. Now, I'm not minimizing your pain, my friend. But I'm telling you, you're going to get out of the grace zone if you don't forgive as Christ forgive. If you don't, if you don't appropriate the grace that was, that was released at the cross of Jesus to forgive the whole world of its sins. The Bible says God has laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. If you don't appropriate the grace that was released at Calvary to forgive every one of their sins, you won't get in the grace zone. And when you get in the grace zone, you will be able to love like you've never been hurt. Resentment, someone said, is like drinking a poison and then waiting for the other person to die. Another thing you can't do and stay in the, the, stay in the grace zone is you can't reject yourself and compare yourself to others and stay in the grace zone. 
There's a really painful story in the scripture. It's one of the, every time I read this story, I just find it so painful. And it's the story of Jacob and Leah. Jacob was one of the, one of the sons of, uh, Jacob was, uh, was a son of Abraham. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, son of Isaac, grandson of Abraham, I should have said. And, and uh, he went to look for a wife and he, 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 he met uh, a woman named Rachel. And he asked for her hand in marriage. And some of you know the story. Instead, he was given her sister. And he didn't know till the next day that he had married her sister, Leah. And they just, the, the, Laban, his uncle Laban, was, was deceptive and totally deceived him. And so here he was. He ended up being married to both women, Leah and Rachel. He loved Rachel. He didn't love Leah and I thought, every time I read that story, what a painful life to live where your husband loves the other wife and doesn't love you. And she worked so hard to get her husband to love her. And, and God kept blessing her with children. But after each child, she would think, now he's going to love me. But he never did. You know what? One day she had a child. She had a son. And you know what? She named him Judah. You know what Judah's name meant? Now I will praise the Lord. You see, Leah came to the place that she said, you know, I'm not going to keep comparing myself to my, sis my sister Rachel. I'm not going to keep comparing myself to anybody else, to someone that my, maybe my husband prefers. But I'm going to find my identity in the blessing of God. And so she gave birth to Judah. She said, now I will praise the Lord. And guess what? Jesus Christ came from the line of Judah. So no matter how, what difficult relational situation you're in today, you can get in the grace zone and become so blessed of God that you'll be talked about for generations to come if you will move away from rejecting yourself and comparing yourself to other people. You will stay in the grace zone. I also like John the Baptist when I think about comparing ourselves because John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. And he went out and, he, he, and John the Baptist uh, preached that Jesus was coming. He preached that Christ was coming. He, he made the way for Christ. And now, now, you know, that's easy for us to look back in history and go, well, he was, uh, it was Jesus. Of course, he would acquiesce to Jesus. But remember, they were cousins. <laughs> and and uh, uh, I love this statement, this simple statement that John the Baptist made one day. He said, I am not the Christ. You see, when you, when you accept what God's grace has made you, and we're going to see in, in the future sermon about how God's grace has made you something, and the, power, the, the ability to stay in the grace zone is accept what God has made you and what God has created you to do. So important. It's so important that you accept who God has created you and the place he's placed you at in life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10 says, By the grace of God, Paul said, I am what I am. And he, the next line says, We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. You can't reject yourself and compare yourself to others and stay in the grace zone. Also, you can't live in discontentment with your opportunities and assignments and stay in the grace zone. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, and I believe this is a powerful verse. He said, we will not boast beyond measure, 
but within the limits of the sphere which God has appointed us. We will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God has appointed us. See, what Paul was saying here is, I have learned to live within the boundaries of my assignment. I've learned to be content with my opportunities and my assignment, and therefore I've learned how to stay in the gray zone. You know, if John, the disciple that Jesus loved, if he could be in the grace zone when he had been boiled in oil because of his faith, he was exiled to a rocky island called Patmos. And the Bible says of him, I, John, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now, I don't know if in the spirit means anything to you, but it, it simply means a place of grace and joy and a place of worship in very horrible, difficult, unbelievably, unbelievably difficult circumstances. You know, living in contentment is so much a part of being in the gray zone. Uh, I look back at my own life. And um, I spent quite a few years outside of the gray zone because of this whole idea of discontentment. Younger, in my younger life and my younger self, I was a songwriter and a, and a musician. And I, I wrote a lot of songs. I got, you know, people seemed to enjoy them. And I, I, I preached all over the, uh, the United States when I was uh, in my early 20s. And one of my dreams was to, was, was to succeed with, with my songs and my music. And uh, I remember uh, getting an appointment with a, a publishing company in Nashville, Tennessee. And I drive to Nashville and I walk in and I, I sit down in the lobby and this lady sits across from me that you, 99% of you wouldn't know her, but uh, she, she's one of the top three songwriters in gospel music. One of, written probably only one or two more writers have written more songs than this lady and she's sitting right across from me and we had this incredible lovely conversation and you can, you can bet I'm feeling pretty good about myself I'm thinking I'm in pretty good company and uh, you know I could, just, I could just imagine my songs being played on the radio that was before uh, internet streaming so you, your songs got played on the radio and I could just, I could just imagine this thing happening to me and what, I'm setting one of the great songwriters in the world, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and I went in to the, have my appointment with an agent, and he liked the songs. He took five songs and gave me contracts. And I walked out there thinking, well, the, you know, th this is what I've always dreamed of. This is what I want. And I kept, you know, I went back to my life, and I kept waiting on something to, you know, the, uh, I kept waiting on a hit. <laughs> and... Um, well, uh, some things happened. Uh, I remember I started getting checks in the mail, like $25. And then the next quarter, I'd get another check for $12.50. And then I'd get another check for $18. After a couple of years of this, I realized I was not going to be a world-famous songwriter. I realized, and and... I could talk to you a long time about how God worked in my life and Sherry and I got married. And it was when I came to this church, really, in, when I came to Milford in 1988, and I walked into this church. I remember it was, wasn't this building. It was a little building downtown. 
downtown Milford. And I remember saying to God, I'm home. I'm done. I'm done trying to be what you have not ordained for me to be. I'm ready to have you fulfill your purpose in my life. And God, if that's to be a, a, a parish pastor and do pastoral care for people and to preach the word of God, God, I'm ready for that. And I became content in my calling. And you know what happened? God has begun to bless my life. And God began to bless my life from that day forward. How, why did God bless my life? Because I got in the grace zone. I got in the place where I quit being discontented with my, with, with, with my path. I stopped being discontented with my purpose. And I accepted where God had put me. And I came under the calling that he put on my life. Maybe some of you are out there today watching. And you're part of this. And I, I believe this is a word for somebody. That somebody's, somebody's waiting on that other thing to happen in your life. You, you're looking at somebody else's blessing and you're looking what somebody else is accomplishing and you think that's who I should be you know I know we're told we're told to pursue our dreams and and that's a great thing to do that's a great thing to pursue our dreams but only so many people can play sports sing songs and dance and and act because that's what so many of us would like to do with our lives right but God has a purpose for your life that's better than what you can imagine. And if you will, will, will align yourself with his purpose, you're going to align yourself with his grace. God is only going to bless you in being you. God's only going to bless you in being what you were intended to be and what you were called to be. God's not going to bless you in being what anybody else, could tell, uh, what anybody else is. That's why Paul said in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, you that compare yourselves among yourselves are not wise Here's another thing that will keep you out of the grace zone. You can't be deluded about your own weaknesses and sinfulness and stay in the grace zone. Paul referred to himself as the chief of sinners. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now let me tell you why I read that verse. I read that verse because of two things. One, it talks about our weaknesses. We have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. How are you going to be on the grace zone if you don't believe you have any weaknesses? How are you going to be in the grace zone if you don't realize your weaknesses? And let me tell you something. There, there, there are people that are available and they're ready to help you to know what your weaknesses are. Uh, like your spouse and maybe your children, uh, maybe your employer, maybe you're very fortunate if you have a best friend who will be that honest with you. But according to this scripture, according to Hebrews 4.15, a key to being in the grace zone is knowing what your weaknesses are. So that's the first reason I read it. The second reason I read this verse is it talks about him who was tempted in every way, who didn't have any weaknesses, yet he was without sin. If he was without sin, that means I am not without sin. That means that I am flawed and I'm, I'm a human being who is prone to wander away from God. My heart is prone to wonder, as the old song says, prone to leave the God I love. 
C.S. Lewis has this great quote. We're all receiving charity. There is something in each of us that cannot be naturally loved. What am I saying to you today? I'm saying if you want to get in the grace zone, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Get to know your strengths. Yes, we're going to talk more about that. But also, be honest about your weaknesses. Be honest about the places where you don't measure up. Be honest about the things you're not good at. And when you do that, when you do that and you humble yourself like that, you're, you're bringing yourself under the realm of God's grace. And there's absolutely nothing that God can't do through your life. Here's how we stay in the grace zone. We look at the reality of our life and we look at what's coming to our life, whether it's success or failure, whether it's success or stress that's coming our way. And I'm talking about the success or stress, especially stress, that we can't avoid. I believe if you can avoid, righteously avoid stress, you should avoid it. I believe if you can righteously avoid pain and suffering and difficulty, I believe you're obligated to do that. But I'm talking about those things you can't avoid. I'm talking about the three Hebrew men in the book of Daniel who were looking at either bowing before the king and worshiping him or being thrown into a fiery furnace. I'm talking about Daniel also in the Old Testament who looked at either not praying, he he had to stop praying, or be thrown into a den of lions. I'm talking about Jesus as he's staring at a cross Knowing that to obey his heavenly father, he had, to go, he had to go to that cross and suffer and die for our sins. In each of those examples, they bowed before the reality. And they picked up the burden of the reality that was before them. Knowing, all three of them, including Jesus. Knowing they could not survive the stress without the power of God. Without the Heavenly Father supernaturally taking them through that, they were not going to be able to survive it or succeed through it. The three Hebrew men looking at a fiery furnace knew they would not survive the furnace without a miracle. Daniel, looking at the lion's den, said, I will not survive the lion's den without a miracle. Jesus looked at the cross, gave up his own power to save himself from the cross, and said, I will not survive the cross Unless the heavenly father raises me from the dead. But when they faced the cross, they trusted a power beyond themselves to propel them through the pain, through the difficulty. I just talked to a man just today who had lost his job. And he had texted me this morning saying he believed he would probably lose his job. And I began to pray for him. And then I called him afterward. And he revealed in his text that he was stressed, that he was nervous. But you know, when I talked to him later in the afternoon, he said, yes, that's what happened, but I have peace. Why? Because the grace of God propelled him through that conversation. And he knows by the grace of God, you see, we're going to be okay. Because we're indestructible into this earth until God is finished with us. Because we are living in the grace zone. There's a cliche. I don't like cliches very much. But this cliche said there's nothing that God and I can't handle together. That's a statement by someone who understands what it means 
to live in the grace zone. I'm going to pray right now for those of you that need to get back in the grace zone. Or you're facing stress in your life, maybe related to the circumstances of our lives right now with the coronavirus. And I really feel a burden for some of you who are suffering emotional and mental stress right now because of everything that's happening related to COVID-19. I want to see you come into the grace zone right now and feel the energy of the Spirit of God energize you and believe that he's going to propel you through this to the other side. You know, Jesus told his disciples one day, let's go to the other side. They got in the boat. They went through a horrible storm before they got to the other side. But they, they could have known everything was going to be okay because Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And by the grace of God, what we're hearing from him today is let us go to the other side. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray, first of all, for that person sitting under the sound of my voice who has not received Christ as their personal Savior. They've not gotten their life into the grace zone. God is gracious to them, but they are not recipients of that grace because they have not brought their belief. They've not brought their problems. And they've not brought their sins to you for salvation. And right now, I pray that they will just be able to do that. And I pray, Father, for those friends of mine, family, church family, those that are guests visiting us today who need to get in the grace zone, to go to the next place in their life, to find the purpose that you've put them on the, put them on the planet for. I pray in the name of Jesus, a miracle and an outpouring of abundant grace in Jesus' name. If you are one of those people who is just coming to faith and you made the decision today, I want to become a follower of Christ, then I hope you'll take advantage of our first steps. You can go on our website and you can sign up for four videos about Jesus, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And they will really help you to get started in your walk of faith. And after you watch those, please get in touch with us and let us know how we can be further help and minister to you. And by all means, those of you who can, join me in the prayer room every day this week at 10 o'clock every morning. And there every morning we look for ways to get in the grace zone. God bless you. Have a victorious and wonderful day.